0: All right. I'm gonna own I just own gold and then I'm gonna abandon match. (laughs) 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 I made it I made it zero two and then I (laughs) bounced
1: Hello guys, gals, and binary pals. Welcome to Couch Co op video game podcast. My name's Matt. I'm joined by Jack and Dave. And today we're going to review our favorite podcast of 2023 season. Uh before we dive into that though, we do like to review and see what we've currently been playing. So Dave, you want to start us off? What have you currently
0: playing, bud? Uh so I've been playing a lot of Rocket League lately. I I got I have a new TV. It's a 65-inch Samsung um Q L E D, like ultra high def. I mean, I don't think it's a tippity top of the the you know mountain, but it does like a really good job. So it's got a high refresh rate, 120 hertz. Um, playing Rocket League on it, I've been super impressed by how clean it is and how much more smoother it is for me. And a lot of details are popping up that I didn't see. Same for Monster Hunter World. Didn't realize how beautiful like that world really could get because I've always played it on. A TV that I would say is, like, inadequate for gaming. Um, And then I also checked out Cyberpunk 2077 PS5 Edition, uh Spider-Man 2, and those, those all looked amazing. Cyberpunk 2077, like, definitely has a lot more busy stuff going on with it that's a lot more cleaner than when I recall. And then on top of that, I think the details in it, like, just... Sh- it it just looks so much more impressive. Um, I didn't really start like a lengthy chunk of the game, but I just kind of hopped into a world that I'd already been on and just kind of like checked it out. So that was pretty dope. And then um, we started Baldur's Gate 3 today. It was definitely a game I want to check out on this TV. Um, I think it's a good time. I, I didn't want to pick up from where I was because... There's been so many updates to Baldur's Gate 3, and the last one added about 3,500 lines of dialogue, a whole new epilogue, or at least a epilogue. I don't know if it's a new one. Um, so I just kind of feel that playing it again is kind of giving it a better shot, you know, to, to really let the developers show like what kind of their, their closer to finalized idea about how the game is. And it's, one it's noticeably different because i'm playing on a better you know tv but two um even though some of the hiccups that i came across in the you know edition that came out in september for ps5 um a lot of those small things aren't there on this there's some things that are a little bit cleaner uh i think the user interface got a little bit easier um it's taken me a sec to get back into it because i haven't touched it for like eight weeks but um it's definitely feels a lot smoother so pretty excited to jump back into it and you know I've kind of already experienced some stuff that I didn't really get to check out because my build's slightly different so you know there's some parts of the map I've been to today that I haven't seen in the like 25 to 30 hours I put into my first save so exciting stuff digging it pretty excited to get through the game check it out
2: Dave I remember you coming over to my spot uh, a few months back and you fired up Monster Hunter in some misbegotten attempt to draw me into it like, <laughs> like it's such a welcoming game that like you thought after like seven shots of tequila I'd be like, oh this is the best game ever because <laughs> it but, is um, buddy. <laughs> but the one thing I do I did take away from that is just how impressed you were with like how things looked on my TV. Um, so it's cool that, you know, you, you kind of get to experience that for yourself now and, uh, yeah, excited for you. So it's kind of cool to get those, you know, get those upgrades and going from like a 720 to what you have now is it's a pretty substantial leap.
0: Oh, significantly, uh, different. I think the refresh rate is probably the biggest thing is yeah, like how much more smoother everything looks than it did. I mean, it's not like things look like you know, as Spider-Man into the multiverse movie, but it definitely is like way more just point A to point B just looks super crisp. So good stuff. Very cool.
2: Well, uh, one of the games you mentioned, Spider-Man 2, I finished that and kind of wanted to talk about it with you a little bit, Dave, because I mean, it is one of the definitely, you know, most uh, uh, heralded releases of the last year. And um,
0: zero awards. I want to throw that out. Zero there.
2: awards. Yeah. Zero yeah.
0: awards. Seven nominations. Zero um,
2: awards. Which I mean, kind of like whatever, you know. A lot of those, a lot of those categories are, you know, who who cares? Um, but I mean, I know it's going to be one of your best games of the year based on the rating you gave it, and so I just kind of wanted to retouch on it, um, Matt. We always talk about how like Miles Morales didn't quite do it for us. Um but I will say one of the things I really liked about miles Morales is kind of the heart, um, behind his interactions with this community and his family. It just, um, they had some, some smaller moments in that game that really kind of shined. I thought that kind of, um, that just kind of gave that game some heart. And I thought they they continued with that in this game. Um, and it was kind of cool because I didn't experience most of these side missions until I was pretty deep into the game. But going back through them, um, I don't know. I thought there were some real highlights, whether, you know, it was just talking to an old man on a bench or flying around uh, New York with some pigeons. Um, and they did some great kind of stuff with uh, representation, you know, whether it was kind of uh, highlighting um, one of the characters, um disability being deaf and giving her an entire chapter from her perspective or you know i mean this is a huge studio insomniac and the fact is i don't think anyone's gonna um you know buy their game because they have a uh chapter or a mission dedicated to a homosexual couple but they might lose some and i thought it was kind of cool that they actually like kind of had the stones to just stay Screw it! You know we're gonna we're gonna just feature this couple, not make a big deal out of it, but just have this have this um, mission around them. Um, I don't know. It just kind of seems like a um, a side of Insomniac that just has a lot of maturity um, in terms of like bringing um, you know some real some real heart and soul to their games, which I think um, for. For for a game that kind of has a lot of stale gameplay elements, I thought was really important. Uh, I don't know, Dave. Do you have any thoughts on on that?
0: I I feel like it's just such a good re- representation of the material that they're covering. Uh, Spider Man comic books have always tried to put a foot forward as far as like inclusiveness, recognition, you know, respect of one's wishes. And that's some of the stuff that Spider-Man champions. So um, I don't want to say I was too surprised, but I was definitely impressed by the mission where you're dealing with uh, two deaf people or one deaf person and an artist, you know, how, you know, I kind of hearken back to like experiences when I was a kid where you know ASL wasn't that common so a deaf person communicating to someone who isn't deaf was significantly different they might have to write stuff down and you know in this case the first thing they do is pull out you know a cell phone and start like texting each other and that kind of stuff and i was like okay cool like i'm loving this and then <clears throat> how also you know that that ended up creating a friendship and all that kind of stuff and just it was a really good story and then that's part of the reason why i like spider-man games so much is because you know they have these epic grandiose missions where you got you know save a bunch of people from you know having a helicopter fall on them or whatnot or a bridge collapsing that kind of stuff but then you also got the moments that you know really kind of bring it back that it's always about people you know with superheroes and you know I just think Insomniac's doing a really good job with the material and the IP and, you know, really respecting and honoring the vision that, you know, the creators set out for them. I was
1: just going to say, like, obviously, I haven't played this one, but my experience with Miles Morales, like, I, I remember, like, one of my criticisms of it was that it almost felt like it would have benefited from being, like, a smaller environment just because of it seemed to kind of lack some of the things that you're both sharing were more prevalent in this version um that where it's more showing kind of miles interaction with his community and you know i'm sure peter parker as well which you know it's important You he takes place in new york for you know there should be representation of everybody there but also um it is cool that even though like kind of the selling point of spider-man 2 is like no they made it bigger they made it way bigger but they still seem to have done a good job to also take into account that from a narrative standpoint, it's important to kind of make the world a bit smaller and remind you that like, you know, at least, especially in Miles' case, like so much of what drives him is that he's so entrenched in this small part of New York and then kind of grows from there as a character as he continues to hone his superhero abilities and what have you. So, uh, that's a really cool uh, detail and and definitely something that, you know, the older I get personally, at least, um, means a lot more to me when I play games, just how they handle certain things, because uh, you can tell when the developers actually put some thought into how are we going to show off display this representation versus we're just going to tack this on here so we can, you know, say it's in there, uh, which unfortunately is something you see with some other companies, unfortunately. Um, Dave, uh, you hinted at mine for this week, what I've currently been playing through. Uh, I re- I fired up cyberpunk 2077. And, uh, I gotta tell you, it's a lot, lot better now, this go around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started up the campaign again and I'm really enjoying it. And I have mixed feelings because on one end, you know, it's great to finally be the experience that, you know, I thought that I had, you know, been owed <laughs> from the day of this game was launched. But then also the realization that, you know, it's three years later and it just now was finally completed to where it should have been at launch. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what that says, you know, because I also understand that it's a business and you can't just continue to delay a product forever. Um, And, you know, I do know that there are a handful of people that give CD project red a lot of credit for continuing to work on it, but uh, it does kind of miff me a bit that it took three more years of development to essentially get it to, the state where it finally meets up you know lives up to all the, the hype and expectations so um that being said you know i am going to play through it again there's a lot of things that experiencing the second time around stand out to me as a lot better um in, in particular i would say for a lot th- this game has done an excellent job of giving you like hints at what's ahead like there's so many subtle ways where they mention different environments different characters different areas that experiences you're going to have in the game and it's just kind of thrown around the background noise as you're going through these you know deep cityscapes so um it's actually really cool having already gone through the entire campaign and knowing where it's going to go to kind of realize it's like oh that's alluding to this or oh that character actually does appear later on so um and you know playing it on the ps5 with better tv as well is also a fantastic experience so um you know, I'm glad you fired it up just to take a look at. You know, I know you have the platinum, so I can't imagine you'd play it again, but um yeah, I actually think I might all follow through with finishing this one up.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's okay. I want to note something. Three years to really kind of get Cyberpunk into a position where people are, are happy with it in mass. And then you got three months of what Lorien has done, you know, by just constantly plugging in these huge updates, you know, and adding a whole nother 3,500 voice lines is probably not a small feat. They probably had to clean all that up, make sure the animation's lined up. So um, I want to throw that out there that, you know, whatever cyber, seems like Lorian's taken over cyberpunk's old slot as, you know, that independent, I mean, this game's already huge, just like the Witcher. It's like, you know, constantly worked on the updates are free. I, don't know. I think you're
2: man, I think you're really getting carried away on this hype train, Dave, because all over the place, including the game awards, but IGN today released their best games of the year. You know what's on it? Cyberpunk DLC. It's all over the place. I think this I think Cyberpunk is being heralded as like a all-time great on a lot of a lot of different places. And just because you decided to play it on a garbage ass PS4 system that basically got you know thrown under the bus immediately upon delivery from day one i think you guys have this like almost isolated three, view of three what this years
0: game, what three the dialogue has been and then three but, months like that's that was the point on of day that one
2: people that was, were playing it on pc and ps5 were saying oh this is a pretty good game it's got its flaws but you know what they weren't doing they weren't trying to platinum a ps4 game that doesn't run properly so all right is
0: like the the third time i had to respect in cyberpunk the third time i've had to because they've had to switch up that system so many times like that you know that's a sign anyways um that's dope that you know you're finding cyberpunk entertaining are you going to pick up uh phantom liberty because that, that fits in before you beat the game. So if you're going to start it over again, like you're probably going to have to pick that up and squeeze it in there.
1: I'll consider it. Um, a lot of it will depend how far I go with this replay um, because there are certain sections of the game that become a slog. Uh, the brain dance segments in particular uh, slow things down significantly. And, um, you know, there's also a few parts of the story I know that got to kind of little slow, so we'll see how far I make it. But um, if I continue to enjoy myself, I'll definitely consider it um for sure. And, you know, Jack, I think you raise a lot of valid points. Uh, the PS4 aspect of it was the biggest thing that Dave and I experienced that really soured the expectation. And largely because the biggest revelation of, you know, the ugly launch of Cyberpunk was just, quite frankly, that should have never existed and probably funded this three-year Continual rehab of the game was all the sales they made off of selling it on PS4. You know, prior to it ready being really ready to be at the level it should have been. You know, uh, obviously if they had delayed it and just nixed the older generation console experiences, uh, I think it actually would have been received a lot better at launch. But that wasn't an option. So, um, to their credit, at least they gave the PS5 upgrade for free along with it so and,
2: and refunded
1: yes yeah. for versions and we're good with the refunds um you know and i know sony punishing them pretty pretty hard for that by removing it from the playstation store probably impacted that a lot so um before we move along D- jack i did want to come back to you uh real quick because i imagine you played through a few other titles did you boys have any <laughs> other thoughts on uh Cyberpunk <laughs> did you see here? the dirty look i gave you <laughs> Between Uh, that and the fact that I know that you're not just going to play through one title within a two-week span.
2: (laughs) Well, I got some more thoughts on Spider-Man 2, but I can hold off on those until um, I'm I'm guessing it'll appear on Dave's uh, best-of-the-year list. Um, I could be wrong, and if so, I'll just tackle it another day. But, um, yeah, I actually wanted to honor you, Matt. Uh, Your title as Dung Defender. I picked up a game that has a 59 on PlayStation 4 Metacritic. Um, I've actually tried to play this game once before and gave up on it then, but uh, I, I guess two things can be true because after playing Rain World for about 15 hours, I absolutely agree with the 59 I got on on Metacritic. And strangely enough, I also kind of agree with all the people on Reddit who I've stumbled across on um, The Hollow Knight and Celeste Threads over the years saying that this is one of their favorite games because it's such a fascinating game. Um, It doesn't handle like any other game I've ever played. It's it's basically like a, a 2D survival platformer. And you play as this creature called a slug cat and and that's kind of like the perfect name for how you're you handle in this game the controls are so frustrating you're so slow your jump is so pathetic and basically you're trying to make this your way through this gigantic world half the time you can't figure out what's in the foreground or what's on the you know so you don't know like if you're going to grip onto something when you try to make a leap everything's insta-death. So basically you end up back um, at your last save point, which could be like, you know, five, 10 minutes. That doesn't sound too bad. Well, if you die like 10 times in a row, some bullshit happened to me multiple times. And then yet this world is like, it's absolutely engrossing. It's, um, it's huge. And it's not, there's no levels. It's like this huge, ecosystem where all these different animals are just trying to survive. And the big way they survive is by eating you. And so basically you're not fighting them. You're basically just trying to run away from them. Yes. You can spear them, but, um, usually they just kill you. A lot of times you'll pop onto a new screen, which you didn't see. And one will just be waiting there and, and eat you before you have any chance to move, which can be incredibly frustrating. Um, I really wanted to love this game. It it has like this ability to have these unscripted moments in this amazing world that are so exciting and thrilling as you barely escape. But I hate this game. It's so frustrating. Um, I gave up. I, I think I, I I think I got about two thirds the way through it, and I just I can't do it. It's even after 15 hours, I still find myself dying to. Maybe it's not complete bullshit, but it feels like complete bullshit.
1: (laughs) Oh, that makes me so happy to know that you finally have, like... Given your taste, a step, two steps below your normal normal level of gameplay experience, Jack, and uh, seeing is... just the glimmer that there's something to
2: be had for <laughs> every
1: now and then, you just gotta have a corn dog, man. That's what it boils down you to. You know what though?
2: I wouldn't compare this game to a corn dog. No, this is like this is like um, Escargo. You know, like there's something really fascinating, and I get why people love this game. But at the same time, it's disgusting, and um, it's just really interesting to me because I've never played a game that like so purposely sabotages someone wanting to have fun, and it it is purposeful because I mean these are these are the mechanics. The mechanics do what you want. It's not like you're running into glitches. You're not running into things that aren't intended. Everything is very intentional, and. And it is so frustrating. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. So thanks for letting me double back on that one, Matt. Cause, um, that, that game's kind of tortured me for the last week as I, as I just went through these, you know, ebbs and flows of, of love and hatred. Um, and eventually I just gave up because I couldn't do, I'm not strong enough. My sled cat is not strong enough. Oh. And when I finally broke down and, um, started looking up guides online i realized i was playing on easy mode the whole time which was just even more insulting
1: now you do have to admit though like just for purely from like a critical standpoint like it is kind of neat to experience a shitty title like that and basically come to those conclusions you just said it's like wow there's the guts are here for a good gaming experience and the studio, maybe if they survive, has has potential if they were to clean certain aspects of this up. Not enough to force yourself to bang your head against the wall for the 50 hours and where to complete the game, but but just enough to like be like, okay, like this is an interesting experience. It's not for me, and, and it's not going to be a critical darling. But you know, maybe just maybe they have a chance if they continue on this path to to grow into something eventually.
2: Well, look, I think this game is just intended for people. It's just intended for a very uh, specific audience. Like a very you know, like I said, the ability for this game to come up with unscripted moments that absolutely create moments of, of exhilaration is it's it's unique. And um, they've added awesome DLC content. It's a beautiful world. It, it kind of gives like Hollow Knight vibes, but it's just way more organic. And um, I don't know, I can't level that complaint at them because they've created what they set out to create um it's just it's it's just very unforgiving it's very punishing to the point where critics probably aren't even judging it based on its how good of a game it is they're judging it based on how it is basically just two middle fingers extended for the duration of your stay. <laughs>
1: Well, right on. Thank you for that, Jack. I'm glad uh, if we could help you get that off your chest as well before, <laughs> before we move to our topic at hand. Um, you know, this is kind of our most self-indulgent podcast of the year. We review our year of recordings and we kind of share our favorite moments, almost like a director's cut, if you will. Um, but, you know, before we dive into that, we would be remiss not to cover just briefly uh, the video game awards that took place. Um, specifically, you know, for us, I think we got kind of the general sense from most of the categories. Gentlemen, did you have any thoughts on the overall awards themselves? Anything stand out that you wanted to cover?
2: I kind of wanted to just, I mean, so many game releases. I thought we could just mention kind of one that kind of grabbed our attention. As far as the award show themselves, this is actually the first year I sat down and, and kind of watched it at length. I watched about two hours. And um, yeah, I don't know. It uh, makes the uh, Academy Awards <laughs> exciting by comparison. <laughs> I definitely kind of just recommend you just watch all the watch all the the trailers that they release afterwards. I guess is what I'm saying. Dave,
1: any thoughts on the Video Game Awards?
0: Um, it's. Let's see, now I mean I felt like pretty co- you know cookie cutter. It seemed like a lot of people got a lot less time to, like, you know, the, the award winners didn't get much time. They definitely seemed to press them pretty hard on that. Um, I thought, I thought the announcements great, really, were probably yeah. about the biggest thing, you know.
2: At one point, they, like, announced, I think, three awards back-to-back without pausing. And one was the uh, the AC6 wins the uh, Action Game of the Year. And I was like, oh, yeah, AC6 Action Game of the Year. And then they're like, and then... Best award for technical sound quality. What? Yeah.
0: No, they, oh, they have those okay. like side categories that just get fired off fired off, you know, and it's like a little disappointing, but um
2: pretty wild for a six hour show that you can't like pause for thirty seconds after the award.
0: Uh but uh man, the game announcements like that are coming out were huge, huge, you know. So you know. Yeah, it's a wagon
2: trap you. Dave.
0: Well, I mean, so I'm I'm getting off work. I jump onto Reddit and then fucking within like the first scroll down is Monster Hunter World you know, wild. So, you know, I send off the screenshot to you guys, you know, letting you know you gotta prepare for it. Got home and then I pretty much watched it from start to finish. I think I kind of skipped over a little bit, like the first fifteen or twenty minutes, and then when it really got into the awards, I just kinda sat down and enjoyed it and um it ended up being at the very end of it you know it's like i think the last trailer before they announced game of the year and uh it was just the uh, monster hunter wilds man you know it's Six fleet it's built into the logo you know everyone knows it's like the continuation of monster hunter world um wow. and i thought it was pretty revealing um I think there's going to be a lot of environmental factors that kind of change up the environments that you're in. So that it's just not, it's not one environment. It's going to be an environment where it's like maybe, you know, for example, in the trailer, a sandstorm blows through. And that sandstorm like caused stampeding animals. And from what it looks like that game, in Monster Hunter World, you would have, you know, what we called small monsters, which were like just kind of, the plant grazers and that kind of stuff. And uh, there would be like five or six of them. This one, you got like a crowd of 20 or 30. So it looks like you're going to have like buffalo-sized herds of these animals going through on this open world. Um, it looks like a mount is like a pretty common thing now. In Monster Hunter World, you, you could call a mount and you had to have like a set point and It would take you to that point, but you couldn't control it. It just kind of took you there. Um, You're able to do other stuff on it, so it saves you time in a lot of ways, but this looks like a truly, like, traversable place where the environment, it's going to be a full open world as opposed to, like, huge areas, which is what Monster Hunter World is. (laughs) Um, You got the ancient forest, you know, and then that's enclosed, and then you got the monsters that are in there, and then you got wild-spired waste, and then that's, you know, all the monsters going to be in there. I'm thinking in this game, there's going to be a lot of mixing mixing around. And uh, I'm speculating there's going to be an underwater. The the teaser doesn't indicate there is, but I've read enough uh, from the last director that they almost were able to do underwater play for Monster Hunter World. And they just had to release it. He is like, they were three months out from like really being able to like install it. So I feel like, I feel like there's going to be huge. Uh, the fact that it's on a PS5 i think i think we're starting to see because of all the releases that video game companies are kind of getting a good idea about what this console can do and what they can do in video games because monster hunter wilds i think is going to be it's going to be a big game in the sense that it's just going to run really smooth really clean on this huge open world with like lots of different things going on at the same time and it's probably all going to be gorgeous you know so Um, I'm hella excited to play this, you know, um, I'm very, very stoked about like what I'm in for because it's going to be a first time playing Monster Hunter from the start. I jumped in right before Iceborne got released. So, you know, I kind of relied on a lot of friends to help me figure out what I'm doing in the game. And then that's when I fell in love with it. But now it's like, oh, I have a good idea about what I'm doing. And now I'm going to have this new shiny toy. So Monster Hunter Wilds, it was definitely, like, blockbuster for me. I was, I was pretty stoked when it jumped on, so.
2: Hell yeah. I mean, this uh, Monster Hunter World was your game of the generation for the PS4 era, so um, definitely well-deserved uh, excitement for you, Dave. And I got to say, um, I didn't think the trailer showed a lot, but it definitely gave the impression, like you were saying of, of just a little bit more open world style. Um, a little bit more traversal, like you said. And I gotta say, I'm, I'm, I found myself excited for this one. Um, the whole kind of idea of being able to jump on day one with, you know, my brother from another mother, uh, who I've been gaming with for, you know, 15, 20 years at this point, not sure. It's kind of lost track, but, um, you know, one of the things I've always been kind of bummed that you got so far ahead in Monster World uh, before I was able to like realize how important that game was to you. Um, and I never wanted to jump in so far behind you. It just, it just kind of felt like, you know, at that point, I, I don't like being carried in games, even if it's, um, even if like we'd be working on the same skill level. Like you're just so far ahead in terms of expertise and uh, intuition for what to do. That that would kind of make me struggle. And I'm sure there'll be a little of that, you know, as as you're, you know, accustomed to what this the series is about. But I just think it will be a much more level ground. And and, um, I'm thinking, dude, I'm thinking day one, me and you rolling, rolling together and uh, seeing what seeing what this game is about. It's on record.
0: uh, It's on record, baby. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I'm stoked. I thought about like withholding that information just to see if I could, you know, manipulate you into using your game of the year uh, for the pod on that one. Um, but you know what? I couldn't help myself. After the after the trailer and after like thinking about it for a few minutes, I, I was excited. So
0: uh, Matt, have you seen the trailer?
1: Nope. No intention oh. of playing it either.
2: <laughs>
0: <Boo>! <laughs> oh
2: excellent. Um, well, I gotta say, I was a little disappointed by um the overall trailers for the Game Awards, not because of uh, the quality of the games, but there was a ton of studios that I really appreciate. And yet, over and over again, I kept seeing them put out games that just didn't really appeal to me. And that was kind of a bummer. Uh, one exception, however, was um, Motion Twin, a studio that put out Dead cells, Dead Cells, Uh, Dead Cells is a game that I kind of have mixed feelings about. For whatever reason, I just couldn't get into the late-game loop of it. But what Dead Cells excelled at was just fantastic, tight controls. The combat in that game is so satisfying. It feels so good. And um, based on the little gameplay they gave in this trailer, this is going to be, rather than the 2D, it's going to be an isometric roguelite, which um, is, for combat games is, is a style I prefer more, as much as I love 2D platformers. When it comes to combat itself, I just really prefer the um, isometric. Just a lot more opportunities for like bullet hell kind of um, mechanics to be incorporated. And it also looks very fast. And the last time we had a game that looked that was an isometric roguelite, very fast game with awesome combat. That was Hades. So, um, look, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I think it could be really cool. And um, I'm not sure if either of you boys uh, saw that one, took notice of it, but but that is a game that um, I will definitely have on my radar going forward.
0: No, I saw that one, and I was like, oh, that's that looks like a game Jack and I could play. So
2: hell yeah. Uh, Windblown I think is what it's called so we'll see if it has um, we'll see if it has co-op I doubt it Um, but maybe we'll be surprised
1: yeah that one definitely has appealed to me um, for certain Monster Hunter I mean we'll see Dave and Jack I don't think I'll be there at launch I've already pretty much said I won't but you know I'm sure I'll be convinced at some point but this one is much more I'm pretty hyped for this one the only other title that I'm a little more excited for is uh, Rise of the Ronin, um, which looks to be very, very similar to Ghost of Tsushima, uh, except for this one's developed by the folks who did Neo, uh, Team Ninja, I believe they're called, um, the old Tecmo. So um, it looks like it's a little more arcade It looks like it's a little easier to hop into and just get into the action. That depends. It could go both ways. I mean, Neo is actually a very difficult game. and that's why i couldn't even get through i think the first section of the the sequel um but i did play through the the first one did enjoy it and if they did lean into a bit more of an arcade experience this one could actually be really cool um particularly because some of the abilities look very reminiscent of sekiro as well which that was very much what i was kind of hoping we would see in ghost of tsushima uh, it ended up being a little more in the uh Red Dead Redemption kind of vein of being a little more narrative focused and less on the crazy action combat orientation, at least from my run through it. So but uh yeah, um that's shocking, Jack. Uh I was really expecting because in the inscription guy have a trailer released this uh at the game awards and uh
2: they dropped um consecutive Finji, Daniel Mullen, and um golden idol games uh in a trifecta that uh if you'd asked me beforehand what i was going to expect from those studios if they all drop games uh trailers back to back i would have said uh, delighted and excited for whatever reason uh not one of those trailers the gameplay loops just didn't look like my style so we'll see maybe i'll you know maybe i'll be proven wrong you know i mean honestly i don't know if you know just watching inscription footage if i would have been excited about that game uh going you know going into it so um we'll see hopefully i'm wrong i did want to touch uh, just real briefly as it made all of our uh, all three of our top fives last year uh ragnarok dlc is dropping for free i think tomorrow actually uh mm-hmm. roguelite um gameplay it looks like any any thoughts
1: Personally, I'm a little worried about the combination of this and Last of Us 2 doing DLCs right now, just because that really, to me, doesn't bode well for 2024 in gaming. Um, Not to say that there won't be some titles that come that, you know, maybe aren't on our radar or, you know, maybe are just miles ahead of what they look like in the trailers. But to me, when big heavy hitters like that are kind of going through and producing something like this that's going to extend. The experience with those titles, to me, that says they're biding, t- biding their time for eventual sequels to come about. So I really think that 2024, coming off such a banger year that 2023 was for games, is going to be a bit of a a down year for video gaming. Especially when you note titles like Grand, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 6 being released in 2025, and there's a couple of other big ones as well. Um, I would not be shocked to hear... Um, that potentially another major uh, sequel is also soon to be announced for 2025 as well. I can't think of any offhand, but again, I, I think that when you see like things like Ragnarok and The Last of Us 2 DLC, Uh, that to me really just says like, hey, we don't have anything to give you. So here, take this. It will help you. For those of you coming late, it's a new cool little added feature. For those of you who played through it already, here's a chance to be reminded why you left these games so much until we eventually produce, you know, the eventual sequels. (laughs) Any other thoughts, boys? Nah.
0: Topic time? (laughs) About an hour into it. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> well, all right then.
2: <laughs> well,
1: again, it's another year basically in the books here for podcasting for us boys. That's about what 3 now. So, um with that, we like to go back and kind of review what we've put out for the year. We're rapidly approaching our 100th episode, so, you know, it's get to pat ourselves on the back just slightly and be like, "Hey, you know, keeping this thing going, still going strong." Um so again as we approach the end of the calendar year we do like to review some of our favorite episodes that we produce throughout the year so uh jack you want to start us off you have a particular episode of note that you'd like to talk about as we wrap up 2023 here
2: yeah um one of the highlights of the year kind of took me by surprise for me uh and it's it's kind of indicative of like how I've kind of um, evolved as a gamer over the last several years, but particularly since we started this pod. And that's um, really kind of beginning to appreciate the narrative aspects of video games. And we did a pod uh, on our favorite narrative moments in video games. And I was just, I don't know, I was just very pleasantly surprised by kind of, talking it through and again, kind of just thinking about the whole concept in general and just how video games can tell a story in a, a manner that no other genre can. Um, you know, they, they can do stuff by having you be, you know, a protagonist rather than you reading a or watching when you actually embody that, when you actually have controls at your disposal um, when there's, you know, it's, it's so much easier to do like a choose your own adventure type story in a video game than it is in a uh, literary setting. And so um, I don't know, just that whole pod. I just thought we talked about a lot of really cool um, ideas and really creative stories that have been told. Um, And um, I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I'm just really looking forward to hopefully uh, we can do it again next year at some point.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed that one as well because uh, I second that. I mean, the older I get, the more I really appreciate some of the storylines that have stuck with me in gaming. And quite frankly, sometimes those are the only types of games I can really sit down and and get through the entirety of and fully appreciate um, when I think back of like God of War Ragnarok or one that I was going to mention as uh, the Witcher 3 uh, podcast we did. We did two, I believe, one on the main campaign one on the DLC, that one stood out to me. You know, A, it's um, Dave's Game of the Year, where we were all forced to play through a 120-hour endeavor. So, um, plus DLC. But <laughs> um, but that one actually stood out to me so much for a number of reasons outside of that. Like I said, it's, it's not only was it, A, Dave's Game, but B, it is considered to be one of the best games of its time. Um, C, that, you know, it also... Is a game that I feel like really highlighted all of our different aspects of gaming that we appreciate. Like in that those discussions we had about those titles, like it was really neat hearing Dave, who's so like focused on the RPGs and the discussion components, and and like wandering around a town and just taking in the beauty of that, versus like myself, who's a little tends to be more. action oriented and who has gripes about that but also can appreciate the major narrative moments and then jack who you know you have such a different gaming preference from what dave and i typically play so it was so fascinating hearing your perspective on it where even though you do clearly like value probably critical reception more than any than either of us um you were also like able to balance that with your own personal preferences gaming and you know appreciate some aspects but also levy your own criticisms and that to me makes for interesting conversations about video games where it's not just three dudes sitting around saying like yeah it was cool when this happened yeah it was really cool when the dragon appeared you know like i actually like it when we have those moments of discourse where we can bicker and argue and and also share in experiences that touched us and I think Witcher three did a fantastic job of checking every box in that regard.
0: Um, as far as discourse goes, uh, m- one of my favorites was Neon White because I think that's one of one of the rare moments where I've seen Matt, like, visibly uncomfortable, you know, with having to, like, not try to step on Jack's foot as far as his opinion goes about some of the aspects of the game. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think Matt, you know, overall as a package enjoys the game, but I would say there are, like, some parts to it that he'd prefer not to, like, have to digest or, you know, have to run through again. And, you know, I feel like that's pretty rare, you know, for what you just mentioned about how like you and I have very similar tastes and Jack's are very different, but yet he still understands, I think still appreciates the things that we appreciate. He just kind of, I think, appreciates it more when it's like in a different package than what we prefer it in. And so for neon white, You know, for Matt to be like, oh, I hated this part of it so much. You know, and the fact that it was Jack's game of the year and it was a game I enjoyed a lot. It had, you know, some frustrating parts, but frankly, that's every video game I play. You know, there's something frustrating even in Monster Hunter world. But yeah, just to, just to time points where Matt had to really kind of like try to churn. In his head, like the words to use, you know, that, you know, didn't seem to be too disrespectful towards Jack's game of the year, you know, <laughs> game to play of the year. So, uh, yeah, Neon White was a great episode for me.
2: Well, continuing this trend, uh, you brought up Witcher, Matt, Dave, Neon White, but we also did uh, Dark Souls 3. Armored Core 6 and Resident Evil 4 this year And um, look, my favorite pods of the year are always when we talk about actual games We didn't do as many this year, which was a little disappointing um, You know, for whatever reason uh, We just didn't kind of gravitate, the three of us, all to the same games quite as much as as we did um, You know, 2022 might have been an anomaly In that we just kind of picked up so many of the same games together Hopefully, uh, we can kind of figure out a way to do a little bit more of that. But um, AC6 and Resident Evil 4 pods, I thought, were just fantastic. Um, and I think the reason... Well, there's there's a couple reasons why. But one, those games are just so much fun. And they're really weird and different. And therefore, there's a lot to talk about. A lot of interesting things. Uh, you know, AC6 with your brother, Matt, like going so in depth into so many different systems, mechanics, narratives in that game. I don't know. I loved it. You know, I, I can, you know, I, I have a passion for video games, obviously, and to be able to spend three hours just dissecting that game with, you know, the two of you who I love talking about games with, but also with Trevor, who's like, you know, really has a history of gaming and kind of understands so much of like where things come from and where they fit into the, to the, um, to the overall, uh, you know, narrative of, of the history of gaming. I don't know. I love that pod. Um, and then RE4, just uh, what a just explosive, zany, and and brilliant game um, that all three of us, you know, adored and were thrilled by. And uh, just talking about that game, um, one. Uh, was was a blast, but two, even like going back and listening to the three of us, I, I thought it was one of our best pods of the year. I thought, you know, we just brought up so much, so many cool aspects and so much. It, it's just one of those games that make you laugh.
1: I think Resident Evil 4 might have been my favorite one of the year. Um, I, I agree with everything you said about it, And I think that it, it just really kind of is in line with what helped, helped us launch this podcast at the inception of just – Uh, the idea of like three, three dudes just basically sitting around and sharing our experience with like old media, like, you know, talking about big trouble in little China and just remembering all the the fun parts and highlights and memorable quotes. And, and that, that was kind of the experience I felt with the resident evil four podcast. Like it very much just kind of felt like just re reliving and reviewing amongst friends, kind of like one of your favorite action movies, um, and, you know, Armour Core 6, that, that game's so much more deep than it appeared to be. So uh, it was a great experience for sure. Um, you know, certainly I'm a little biased because that game's going to be high on my list for favorite game I played throughout the year. And But I agree, like, again, it was fascinating getting everyone's perspective on how they approach a game. Um, it also... T- <laughs> I feel like have one of our best intros with uh, your wife trolling us mercilessly at the beginning, Jack. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure the intros are skipped over by our thousands upon thousands of loyal fans. But um, for me, those are always kind of some of my favorite points of just like going through the process. And yeah, nothing kills me more than hearing Nicole laugh (laughs) at us hysterically at just how stupid we sound. So um, yeah, two two very excellent uh, podcasts for sure.
0: Um, Resident Evil 4 was definitely on my list as like just straight out fun. I think mostly because like that, you know, Jack stated and Matt stated like this game is really obnoxious and Matt just put it in a great way where it's it's big trouble in Little China. You know, some dude comes along, you know, and the president's daughter gets kidnapped and good old Leon has to go rescue her from a bunch of, you know, crazy cultists with magic powers and stuff. Uh but uh I think one that really kind of struck Bell for me this year was the Witcher 3 podcast because, um, you know, it's not because it was my game to play of the year, but it was because you two embraced it, you know, and you two, you know, that was something I was very concerned about. It's like I was excited that Jack had, you know, allowed me this small window to like declare it, but then, you know, Matt, you also had to be like, yeah, you know, I should check it out. And I think it's something that you genuinely genuinely enjoyed you know there's some parts to it that you know you probably could have done without but I think I gathered for the most part that you know I felt like um for Jack especially it was like something where it's like oh it's rare for him to ever talk about a game where he's pumped that much time into that isn't you know like a smaller window of replays you know what I'm saying it's one long continuous story and yet Jack was still able to uh appreciate things about it, you know. And so uh for me it was like cool. I got two friends who had never played Witcher Three, which is one of my favorite games, but you know, they actually enjoyed it, you know, so enough for us to do two episodes on it, you know, that's how crammed about I think the experience was was like how Geralt interacts with the world and the world that they're in and, you know, how you go about it and all the different weird stuff that happens, you know, especially with Roach, you know, where he pops up and, you know, the different nuances in some of the stories, like Jack, the way he handled uh, the uh, one of the witches, uh, was it not Triss Marigold, it's uh, Kira Metz. You know, like, and, you know, like how we both approach that incredibly different. So, I don't know, just uh, a really good game where three people can, like, take the helm and they can go different paths, still kind of end up at the end, you know, and still talk about it, you know, and be like, oh, I saw this along the way, you know, or it handled like this, you know. So I think that one ended up becoming one of my favorites because you guys ended up liking it, you know, so it made for a fun podcast for me.
1: Well, we had four topics that we did multiple podcasts on. There was Witcher 3, there was the Last of Us TV series, there was the Game of the Year Award nominations, and then there was Neon White with the Neon White and then Most Hated Game of the Year. So, <laughs> so clearly uh,
2: Witcher 3 meant a lot to
1: us to make that elite company of uh, podcasts that we recorded this ne-
2: Neon year. White's going to have three, if that's your... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Um, criteria
1: one i I, but as i mentioned uh, one of them that did come up uh for two of the podcasts that we produced this year um of roughly i think we're going to end up with just in the around 23 24 for the year uh last of us tv series um that was a fascinating one because that was our first kind of venture into speaking about, you know, media that wasn't just video games even though it's based very heavily on a video game. So, um I it'll be interesting to see if that's something we kind of go back to as we move ahead here because there are so many video game related content coming out in both movie and TV form. So, um I'm not going to say that it's a regular thing that we're going to consistently do, but it is something that, you know, I could see us you know doing again as we approach 2024 particularly as if my conspiracy theory holds up and this is kind of a down year for gaming we may have to fill in the blank somewhere so uh, any thoughts on that one jack
0: well i feel like the super mario brothers movie was actually pretty it, it was a good movie like for what it was you know it wasn't trying to be too deep um, It wasn't trying to be, like, too accurate, and I think for what the content they had, they did a really good job of telling, like, a pretty fun story. You know, I think it's roughly 90 minutes long. Um, For as much flack as the actors got, I thought the voice acting in it was, you know, really good. You know, they had a lot of inside jokes, and, you know, I feel like that's something, I don't know, hopefully better video game movies can, you know, allow us to feel a little bit more comfortable about talking about them because last of us is such an acclaimed ip you know like it's you know for a show for it to come out of the kind of quality it did kind of made it easy for us to excuse putting it on the podcast you know but which is saying i don't want to like make excuses just to put any old video game movie on this podcast but I, i think recognizing some good ones here and there is like definitely worth an investment
1: Yeah, that's fair. I appreciate yeah,
2: that. Yeah. Well, well said, Dave. Um so we actually did uh, another two-parter, Matt. Um maybe not 100% um same topic, but uh definitely kind of uh related to one another. And that was um we did gaming mechanics with your brother, and we also did quality of life improvements. Um And in those two pods, we just kind of dissected all the little things that go into video games. And um, I think the reason I like those pods so much is because getting into like those those nitty-gritty, it was really almost like talking about why we love the games we love. You know, whether it's, you know, Celeste's, you know, um, how it feels to hang on a wall in Celeste. How it feels to swim in Subnautica. Like you take all these like prime examples of your favorite games, and you pick one thing about it that really kind of sets it above what its uh, predecessors or um, or genre uh, partners are doing. And uh, you know, once again, having Trav on the pod who has so much insight into you know uh, what makes games great was 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 uh you know it, it's always a it's always a bonus to have that you know um another another uh perspective but um yeah just going through those games and we probably touched on like a hundred games in those each in each of those pods you know um but just so briefly and and just kind of like i said sh- shining a spotlight on on one of the reasons that they're special um so i th- i really enjoyed those pods
1: Yeah, actually, um, the mechanics one, or in particular, actually, not mechanics, but the uh, game mechanics that feel good, I believe is the title, um, with my brother. That was our uh, top uh, listened to episode of the year. Um, But another one, actually, that really shocked me was uh, the Why We Play What We Play podcast, which I thought also built on that, where I think the coolest thing about this year for us is kind of developing that separation and confidence of doing it for a number of years now where look we've all been friends forever we all love each other but when you're in this kind of setting where you're putting something you know you're recording something you can't help but be encouraging and you don't want to completely shit on your dear friend even though if we were just talking in person we would do that casually so <laughs> i think this is we're finally getting to a level like that's why i give you so much grief about neon white is honestly as not so much that i disagree hated the game it has more to do with like that I think is an important part of our rapport is that we do have differences of opinion and that even though like there is a part of me that is very 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 touched that you nominated this title and forced me to play that I would not play on my own and I actually got a ton out of it there's also the part that has to shit on you because there are also moments where I'm just like, come on, man, like (laughs) this is bad at times and you know it. So, um, Hey, I could have made you play rain world. (laughs) <laughs> this is true this is true but don't forget i have a whole bag full of shitty games to, <laughs> I, to unleash on you so
0: that's bag of deep
1: <laughs> it's like world politics here i just like have my bag of nukes and it's like if you dare <laughs> if you dare cross that line <laughs> but uh no but I, I feel like this year we're starting to finally come out of that shell where it's like it's okay to kind of crap on each other a bit because we all understand that like you know it's nothing but love and the hope is it's a discussion about video games not a just hey let's record a video of us bull- <laughs> bullying somebody <laughs> in a recording so we can throw it out there and look like complete assholes so um i i thought those were fun uh where we're starting to develop that throughout the year for sure uh
0: geez uh one of my favorite i remember going in this episode like oh sweet i I don't feel like I really have to look anything up, Um, not too much research, and then getting into it just ended up kind of felt like I was treading water the whole night was uh, our personal rating systems and Jack holding us down these (laughs) ratings that honestly were just like coming off the top of our heads because, you know. We're not really, I don't, I don't feel like we don't have a publication where we're rating these things. So I'm not really recording them, you know, or, or I'm judging them on some weird scales. And then all of a sudden, you know, so this episode where I'm just like, Oh, cool. We're going to talk about this. It's just being like, well, Dave, uh, you said this game was this back and how are you going <laughs> to, how are you going to defend that decision? <laughs> it's just like shit. <laughs> like, how am I going to do this? But, um, I, I, also appreciated because you know we talk about video games uh a lot jack mentioned this is one of the years where we didn't really talk about too many video games like have an episode dedicated you know to a video game and uh but i feel like that that's kind of our nature you know only if it's if it wasn't that many this year it's probably gonna be a bit more next year you know 2025 maybe more who knows It doesn't matter, but it also highlights how we see games and what we value in them, you know, and that kind of allowed our diversity to show, you know, in the way we approach thinking about it. So uh, that was something I appreciated. I ended up really enjoying that episode because, you know, being kind of caught sideswiped and not in a bad way. It's definitely not anything I had any animosity towards. It's more humor, but
2: I mean, Matt, you just kind of brought up how we're more comfortable giving each other shit. And I think I think it's kind of related to, you know, what Dave was just saying about me really jumping into my aggregator role for that episode and kind of hamming it up. Um, I think we are a little bit more comfortable with kind of like the stereotypes we're starting to create for ourselves on the show, (laughs) whether it's Matt embracing his dung defender role um, and kind of kind of being very self-referential to all the terrible games he plays subjects himself to uh me kind of you know uh having some fun with you know kind of nitpicking you guys because i mean it's like dave said it's like we don't have a publication this is just some stupid bs that we're kind of dropping you know immediately after playing a game and and you know a lot of times we're overhyped on it or or frustrated by the way it ended and so our reviews you know are going to fluctuate wildly based on our amateurish opinion and uh i just have fun kind of you know just embracing that villain role um yeah we we uh we've definitely kind of embraced our roles a little bit more as as the pods kind of progressed over the years i guess is my point
1: yeah the rise of the aggregator is such a wonderful (laughs) new layer
2: particularly because dave hit the nail
1: on the head there's so many times where these ratings are just me or him like showing up to this thing and just like five minutes before recording, just be like, eh, that felt like an 8.5, whatever, and then all of a sudden Jack will, like, be like, you realize that you gave, like, the game of the year last year an 8, so I really think that this shitty, like, game you download for free is an 8.5 compared to, you know something like a death loop that you know swept the awards so it's it's good to be held accountable and, and to see the mental gymnastics we do when we're stuck in a recording and having to back pedal and be like well no I, that's not what i meant what i really meant was last was two is is the greatest game of all time so naturally i can't give it a high rating because that'll just be like all the other credits you know so uh, yeah, that, that's been such a blast just because it definitely makes me think twice before just throwing out a random number when I get to the conclusion <laughs> of the title, for sure.
0: Yeah, it's like when Jack mentioned because Spider-Man 2 was high up there it was going to be in my favorite game, so I was like, God, I just got a pang of anxiety at that. It's like, ah, oh, now I'm going to have to defend it if it's not in my top five games. So.
2: Well, you got to remember, it was a 9.7 in your text. And still uh, very respectful 9.5 two days later when you uh, gave an official review on the pod. So.
1: This is such a perfect, though, because like you said, Jack, it's in line with our personality showing. Because Dave was constantly the guy, when you play fantasy sports with him, where he offers you a trade where he's highly valuing a guy. And then if you wait for a week, that same guy will be available on the waiver wire because his opinion is completely shifted. So, you know, Well said. <laughs> so yeah it, it's definitely coming out but um no i like i said i really appreciate the aggregator because it does actually force me to don't del- think twice now because um some of these ratings actually it is kind of important to have consistency with that because i think we have been doing a good job of improving every year at this and i'd love to see it continue on and uh part of doing that is continuing to find the areas where we could be more consistent and uh so I think that's an awesome that you've taken all that on, Jack, especially because it's something that's somewhat of a hobby for you to begin with. So it's not a huge ask compared to if I had to do it or Dave, where it would be an absolute nightmare to not me through the, the different recordings just to find out what some idiot said about, you know, God of War two years ago.
2: Well, in all fairness, editing this podcast is right up your alley as the Dung Defender. So um. <laughs> We all got to take one for the team in our own way. (laughs) Well well, said. I got one more uh, episode I liked, and that's something I'm really hoping we can do sometime soon. Uh, Upcoming releases we're excited for. Just because, um, I'll be honest, there are so many games I'm hyped for. Um, A big part of that are games that are only available on PC right now, and I just got to cross my fingers and hope that they're going to get ported to um you know playstation or uh, you know maybe to xbox or switch and um i I don't quite enjoy playing those consoles as much as the playstation but um for some of these titles that i'm really hyped for I'll, i'll definitely make an exception um and um yeah i'm just uh i'm just uh i like talking about you know games that I'm excited for and and that that's a uh you know the best opportunity.
1: Yeah, I, I if I had to list off my favorite ones, I would have to do um, you know, Armored Core Six slash Game Mechanics that Feel Great with my brother, just because I love having, you know, guests <laughs> on our show, um, for sure. Um Yeah, would, we should
2: uh, also note that um uh Ryan came on, Tool Geek came on earlier this year, this year to do a uh, Dark Souls three with us and that was it uh, feels like ages ago because it was at the beginning of the year, but um, always good seeing him too.
1: I was just going to add that one as well. Uh, I forgot which game it was, but yeah, having Tool Geek on there as well. Anytime we have a guest, I think, is is going to make my list for favorite ones. We do uh, Neon White just because I love when Jack is takes over the hosting duties because I think it's awesome, um, particularly because did a really good job with that one, um, you know. Helps Thank you so passionate about the title and you know but keeping us on course especially with me being so damn negative the whole time is is not the easiest task so i i, I tip my cap for you there and um cut for selfish reasons uh witcher 3 and uh, most hated games are going to be uh, my favorite ones uh for selfish reasons you know those are both the ones where i got to have a little tribute for my pets and i appreciate you both for uh allowing me to have a quick moment some you know grieving process you gotta get it out where you can and honestly sharing with you guys uh helps me move forward so uh that meant a lot so i appreciate you both
2: yeah well it's you know uh it's tough to share you know really difficult um you know things that are going on in your life so i'm glad you feel comfortable with us enough that you know we get to be a part of that even if it's rough times so
1: well, I, I appreciate that and, and you both have supported me a lot, both on the recording and off. But um I'd I just say that like I know that don't like to go too much in our personal lives, but when it comes to video gaming in particular, I feel like the, the pet component for me was such a big part because these guys were always there by my side throughout the experiences. So that's kind of synonymous with these things. And and honestly my favorite part about us approaching a hundred episodes here is having all this content to look back on fondly as i get older and and realize like throughout the course of the year it captures just little glimpses of like you know the ups and downs we go through because it is it's, it's our little time capsule of our friendship over the years so uh which to me is the most valuable thing because we certainly aren't getting listeners by the trek load that's for sure
2: <laughs> <laughs> you don't need the aggregator to <laughs> Figure that one out. We're,
0: we're definitely not getting ad revenue. <laughs> I <should> say that.
1: <laughs> well said, Plum. Well said, Dave. You have any uh, favorite recordings for the year?
0: Uh, I just, dude, I I like them all. I think I kind of labeled off the top of my favorites, though. Um, you know, honestly, in my head, there's a few points where I was like, "Oh, do I like?" you know, like the mechanics episode more or whatnot. And it just ended up becoming like realizing how much I appreciated like the whole year for podcasts, you know, like sometimes I get a little nervous because I feel like I might not have enough to say or, you know, I might not be able to, you know, speak what I am want to say concisely, but usually I always end up having fun on these. So, but yeah, neon white. Rating systems and then like witcher 3 armor core resident evil 4 like i i kind of wanted to put all those three down there at the bottom you know like but yeah those are all especially resident evil 4 great stuff especially when we're talking about when i'm streaming and jack's watching you know or vice versa like that that stuff is just always adds a little bit more depth to our podcast i believe so yeah Good
1: stuff. Well, any last thoughts on our year twenty twenty three best of podcasts?
0: We need to bring demo demolition back. <laughs> I think we do. Like I think the options are better with PS5, you know, and allow us to review um some more games together, you know.
2: I don't oh, have right. premium. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have all the free demos.
0: Oh, I don't have premium either.
2: Shoot. All right. Um. I just think we need to kind of get together and come up with like a, just maybe like two games we all want to play together this year that that aren't going to be like our picks, you know? Because clearly our picks are kind of like more designed towards trying to bring us you you know the other two uh, members
0: introduce something it, new exactly to, I mean, yeah.
2: kind of bring bringing them into your world. Whereas um I know like Matt, you started playing the original Owl Awake. And I man, if you, if you had actually been more into that, I would have, I would have followed you up and would have recommended we do a pod on it, but you were kind of, uh, so, so on it, particularly the, uh, base, base game. Um, but I know there's opportunities like that out there. If we kind of just kind of talk a little bit about it and maybe, you know, maybe that's, uh, the upcoming releases, uh, if we can do that pod sometime in the next couple months, maybe that'd be like an opportunity to kind of see if our, uh, if our heads all swiveled the same direction towards a game or two uh, this year. So
1: for sure. And I think you kind of hinted at the reason why, because I think in years past uh, we relied a bit more on the PlayStation network games uh, that were released, or at least those consistently we would all check out. And this past year in particular, it's been just so good that it's, you know, why would you play any of those crap games they're giving you when, you know, you can pick up one of the new releases and actually get, your money's worth, and then some. So, um, we'll be interesting to see. Like I said, I may be completely full of it in 2024, maybe another banger year for video games, but I have a feeling it may dip down a bit. And so, it might be a good opportunity for us to all put our heads together and kind of look back on some backlog titles that maybe we can all find at a bit more discounted pricing. So, we're not always chasing the latest uh, and greatest. Particular since we're constantly having to replace our controllers now because Sony has that, <laughs> those BS, BS dual shocks now. So, um, so definitely a great idea. And I think I second that. I think we should definitely look into that as we move ahead. But well, uh, Mo-
0: Monster Hunter Wilds is going to be the 2025 David Plummer's game to play of the year. <laughs> cool. I'm just uh, announcing that now
1: so basically 2025 is already set because you know my dumbass is gonna pick gta 6 as if like you two aren't gonna want to play it and I was gonna that, say, like, <laughs> that's an
2: obvious example for a game we can all agree on to play you know like yeah but yeah. that's
1: like every one of my selections it's always like triple a yeah. studio number one game <laughs> wonder if they'll want to play that one you know
2: like ac6 yeah you- God all of War, have Ragnarok. <laughs> all you had to do is say the word with AC6. I was like, yep, I'm in. <laughs> so, yeah, all we
1: need to do is throw in some bullshit platformer that Jack finds. <laughs> and, and we're all set.
2: All right, Andor so- Jack
1: Builder. Silksong will probably be out by then. So, you know, God willing.
2: Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> this game's never coming out.
1: all right well with that all being said this has been couch co-op video game podcast thank you so much for listening take care